Welcome to episode 13 of How About Them Huskies. I'm Connor, joined with Andrew, Matt, and Matt. And we got a pretty big episode today. We're recapping the big win over Villanova. We're going to preview the big game tomorrow, or even today if you're watching this on Saturday, versus Xavier. And we have something fun at the end. So should be a good episode, and I think we'll just get right into it. As I mentioned, UConn defeated Villanova 74-66 to on Wednesday night. It was a great team win overall. And Jordan Hawkins led the way offensively for UConn. He had a great game, as he has a lot recent, very often recently. He had, let's see, he finished with 22 points and seven rebounds, which both led the team. He, He's just, every time he throws up a shot, I feel like it, there's a really good chance it's going in. And there's some guys you can't say that. I'm not going to mention any names here. I have a guy on our team that comes to mind where you think that, but. I'll leave it at that. But Hawkins, great game offensively, even defensively, seven rebounds. He, he's just crashing the glass in the right place at the right time. And overall, it's a great team win. And you guys have any thoughts on the win? Yeah, it was just another game and another couple guys stepping up that were different from the game before. Obviously, Sonogo didn't really have it going. You know, Newton didn't really have it going. Calcaterra was basically non-existent. Klingon never got it going. So this game... It was Alex Caravan getting it going. He had, I was, I'm calling it his best game as a Husky because, you know, the game against LIU, he did make some great plays, but that wasn't very important. This was an important one. We had Caravan with 15, two steals and a block and six rebounds with good shooting. And then we had Hassan Diara, who again is just stepping up and making his presence felt defensively. It seemed like in that second half, when the team really needed a play, the ball would somehow just end up in Hassan Diara's hands. So I'm just happy to see all these guys stepping up and getting it done in different ways every game. Yeah, I definitely agree. But one thing I have to, like, get on my chest is that for some reason this game felt like every other game we've already played. Um, it, it felt like it had the same exact energy to it. We kept the same exact energy throughout. You know, if we have some players struggling, we're a really deep team. So we have guys who could definitely step up, definitely carry the load for us. We have multiple different guys who feel like can carry a load score 15 points, which is amazing. If we have like four or five guys who I feel like can do that nightly. Um, the game did get a little tight, early second half, but you know, we just regained control very quickly. Um I, I have a sense of just patience with them. And, you know, not a nervousness that I've had for a while where it's like, damn, like they gave up like a, a big run. Like, what are we going to do now? Like a team would have crumbled over the, the past four years, I feel like, where if we gave up a run and we let a good team like Villanova back into the game, we would have just fallen apart. Um, I don't get that at all from the squad, which I'm really glad about. Uh, we do a very good job at controlling the game. The game runs through UConn, and as long as the game is running through us, uh, I, I don't know when we're going to lose. Well, what Nova did was really simple. They guarded the Dama Sinogo really well with Brandon Slater and Eric Dixon, which is why he only had seven points, I think. And, you know, they forced people to make plays like Andre Jackson. I think this was one of Andre Jackson's best games I've ever seen him play. Not because he put 25 on the board. He had 10 points, but because he made the right plays when Villanova pressured him to. Like that three in the corner that really got the crowd up and basically ended that game. Villanova knew that he was going to get the ball because they put everybody on Hawkins. They didn't want anybody besides Andre Jackson shooting. And 
They played with fire, and Andre Jackson's not a bad shooter. So Villanova made a lot of mistakes, but, I mean, the start of that game was not pretty at all. I remember saying to myself, like, is the XL center curse a real thing? Like, can we really not shoot the basketball here? But, I mean, they kind of proved me wrong. But, you know, Villanova, they just – I feel like their execution of this game was not – smart at all because UConn's a team where you can't leave anybody open everybody on this team is talented we don't have one outlier who isn't talented you know so I mean huge credits to Andre Jackson I think he really just opened some eyes for draft stock but still Villanova I just think Kyle Neptune's execution of this game was not very good Yeah, you mentioned Jackson there. The counting stats really weren't there from some of the games he's had in the past. He had 10 points, six rebounds, but it felt like he was in the right place at the right time for pretty much every single play in this game. Like, And he always has those bonehead plays like at least once or twice a game. There's only one I really remember. He tried to feed it to Sonogo down low. It was 10 feet over his head into the stands, but that, that happens with him. He also had some crazy passes. Like There was that one pass inside to Klingon. For the layup. And then obviously, like Andrew, you mentioned, they were doubling Sonogo down low late in the game there, leaving him wide open in the corner. And he caught it and shot it. He didn't hesitate like he tends to do. He just caught it, shot it, and went in. Like if he doesn't hesitate, which he tends to do, I think he'll have a lot more success from three-point land. And that's just an added cog to this team. We have guys like Hawkins that can hit shots. Joey, he didn't play too much, just seven minutes for Joey against Villanova. The matchups, the matchups weren't wasn't really in his favor. He won't I think there was one point in the game I saw uh someone was checking and I don't remember who, but they were gonna get Aline, but Aline was playing so good defensively, just got a deflection that Hurley switches to Joey. And that just shows the depth that this team you can make uh switches like that, like on the fly. And yeah. A lot of the stuff that comes with Andre Jackson is whether or not he's confident in himself. Uh, you can really tell when he is, you know, feeling confident in his game and when he isn't out there. Um, it seems like over the past, you know, all season, he's been very confident with himself. Just, you know, maybe his jump shot kind of scares him. He doesn't want to hurt the team, so he'll hesitate. But, you know, seems like coach really wants him to take these shots, so. You know, put him up. He he's got to know that no matter what, you know, like the team has his back, coach has his back, and he wants him to shoot these shots for a reason. You know, he knows he can make them. Um, you know, maybe just cut down on the number of shots. You know, maybe take two or three a game. But uh, yeah, very good signs from him on his confidence and overall just uh, opinion on himself. Well, I really think that we saw a glimpse of what we're going to see in March on Wednesday night. You know. Newton and Diara split time. Um, obviously, Newton's the starting point guard, but it really came down to, like, what Connor said, who's playing the best right now and who needs to be on the floor. Like, if somebody's not playing well, they're obviously not going to play, but, like, guys like Aline, Diara really stepped up. I mean, Diara didn't put much on the offensive end, but he had four steals, which is definitely noteworthy. He made a lot of really good plays down the stretch, a lot of really good passes. Obviously, definitely – Gary missing two of the four free throws in the end of the game. Um, but, you know, it's. I think this is what we're going to see in March. You know, Hurley is going to start the same starting five all season, and then it's really going to come down to these four off the bench, Klingon, Diara, Aline, and Calcaterra, and really who's playing better 
than the others, and that's who's going to play, you know. So it's just I think this was a game where Hurley really tried that out, and I think it worked pretty well because, you know, we won. The players who were playing well played, and the ones who weren't didn't. So I think this was really a glimpse of what we're going to see in March. Yeah, I was about to say, all four guys off the bench could end up finishing the game if they're playing well. All four of them. Like even Aline, who has been great for us this year, but he's the type of guy who's very active defensively. So if he has it going offensively, you don't want to take him out. And there's just so many different guys who could get it going and so many different guys who could make a difference and really would probably be a starter at some other schools, a lot of other schools, everyone off our bench. Yeah, and Andrew, like you mentioned, Diara, the four steals, all four coming in the second half. Hurley put on that press after Nova took the lead, and we took it back for good. There was a, like, back-to-back plays where they couldn't even get it across half court before Diara stole it. And I think it's time for our weekly conspiracy. It's a little early in the episode here, but I'm pretty sure I've seen Diara. Well, I've seen him wear the headband. I remember he wore it versus Stonehill, and he wore it this game. In the first game versus Stonehill, arguably his best game of the season, he had 11-5-7. And, and in this one, he was a massive part of the comeback. He had the four steals. He had a few assists. So I think we need to see headband DR a little more often. It helps the team. I mean, he looks good with it. Why not? Yeah, we'll get our stats guy and find in his numbers when he's wearing the headband. Yeah, I just want to make a few points about DR. I don't know. To me, Diara perfectly fits the um... – the description of a college role player, uh, you know, they come around every so often and, you know, they're, they're be kind of being fished out in today's college game where it's filled with recruits, but, you know, every once in a while, you can get yourself a, a Hassan Diara to play for you for a few years, you know, and you're not complaining and you'll love a Hassan Diara on your team. We've said it before on this podcast. We'll say it again. He's the guy you don't want to be on the opposition when you're playing. He's just a gritty defender. You just, makes all the right plays. He's not a great scorer like we've touched on, but like you mentioned, definitely definition, textbook role player in college basketball. And let's see, a couple more stuff, facts about UConn here. Coach Hurley, our conspiracy from last episode is not true. Coach Hurley defeated Villanova. So that's good to see. There was a little argument there. I remember I don't recall who shot the ball, but Sonogo was called for a foul shooting at three. Hurley was getting a little heated. I was thinking, oh, no, is this it? Is he gone? But that wasn't the case. And we'll touch upon some things that weren't so great. Obviously, they won. Everything was good enough to win, but not much Adama. He only scored seven points. Dixon did a great job. We'll talk about him in a second, what he did offensively for the Wildcats. Uh, Barely any Joey. Like I said, that was the matchups. That's it's going to happen with such a deep team. Andre Jackson, if you guys recall from the Georgetown game, he drilled a three right in front of the Hoyas bench and was teed up for saying something to either Ewing or the bench. And he did it again versus Villanova. He he hit a three on the on the wing, and he was right in Kyle Neptune's face. I don't know what he said, but it's just he's got to stop doing that. I mean, it's back-to-back games. Once I can see it, because, like, it was at the time against Georgetown, it was an intense game, a close one. You don't really expect that one to be that close, so the emotions are running high. But twice in a row, that's that, that can't cut it. Like, what if he does it again? What if he does it, like, in a Final Four game and we lose by one or two because of those technical free throws? It's a stretch, but he just can't be doing that. Yeah, he's an ex- extremely um, passionate and competitive guy. 
And sometimes it gets the best of him. You know, I love his passion, but you can tell what's happening is just like the coach will like tell his player to go under on the screen and the coach will be like, he's not a shooter. And he just takes it personally when he makes it. So, um, yeah, he's got to cut that down, but I love the passion. I love seeing him making shots and uh, rubbing in people's faces, but he's got to stop getting himself in trouble for that, especially because um, even though people say, like to say refs aren't unbiased, you know, they'll be like, oh, we know this Andre Jackson guy um, likes to uh, get a little rowdy sometimes so they could be looking out for him. So he, he's got to fix that and control himself a little better. But like I said, I like the passion. The thing with these technical fouls is that they all happen so fast. Uh, they Like, he makes the shot, and then it's it's almost like before the ball goes in, he's already yelling something. And it's like, what could he have possibly yelled that could have warranted a technical foul in that amount of time? And then you wonder if it's like, did he say something that bad? Are these, like, puny technical fouls where, you know, it's kind of just rest discretion because you don't want anyone talking to a coach or anyone – I'm just very curious as to what he's saying, which is warranting a technical foul in the span of a second, if even. I have to agree with Stark here about it has to be something that they said, either leave him open or something along those lines. And, you know, obviously he's going to take it personally because he's a very good basketball player. He's developing his shot, but, you know, technical fouls these days come pretty easily as we saw i mean last year hurley got one for pumping up the crowd which is the most ridiculous call i've ever seen but i mean it just makes me wonder why didn't hawkins get one for bumping into kyle neptune like did jackson actually say something that the ref was able to hear because that ref was right behind him like that ref probably heard every single word he said to neptune which is which what makes me think that he got the technical for that reason. But I mean, yeah, even like Connor said, like if I love a passionate player like that, but he's going to do that to the wrong coach. And there's going to be a player that stands up for his coach and he's going to get him a second technical and eject from the game because he's going to do something to Andre and Andre is going to do something back and he's going to get a second technical and then thrown out of the game. So I really don't want that to happen, but I do like that Andre is playing passionately and that he's not taking anything from any coach, but yeah, He's just got to keep his emotions in check sometimes. I mean, maybe maybe he can make, like, a motion to the coach, not, like, get up in his face. But I do like that he's not taking anything. Yeah, Connor had a pretty good idea in running the play, but on the opposite side of the court so that he can't say anything to the coaches and, you know, just keep getting to business. Yeah, I got to change up the playbook a little bit there. And also – a simple stare would do. I think it'd be intense. And like you see, he drills a three in his face, and he just walks back, backpedal, staring at him. That'd be awesome. I hope, hopefully, like the camera would catch it. But you don't have to say anything to the other coach. That, that's childish, almost. I love how we've spent a couple of minutes trying to figure out good ways for Andre Jackson to uh, talk trash. Yeah, definitely. And Andrew, you mentioned quick technical there i think it was you at least another quick one that comes to mind the jordan hawkins one in the pki championship versus iowa state he had a little touch foul down low and it felt like before he could even get a sentence out he was teed up so maybe it's the refs they're just softer they're looking to call it sooner who knows but it's all in all jackson's got to be smarter We'll, we'll end the segment there
I was going to say, uh, before we end the segment, they might just be protecting coaches more heavily than players because coaches cannot play. For sure. And we like Andrew also mentioned, Hawkins bumped into Neptune as he's celebrating. Neptune's looking right away. Where's the foul? Where's the technical foul? He didn't really impress me too much as a coach. He's kind of looking for those calls. Obviously, the Jackson one landed in his lap. He's coming up to him and yelling at him. But, like, Hawkins bumped into him. Oh, well, he's, I'm sure – I don't remember it, but I'm sure Neptune had his feet on the court or something like that. All coaches do. Yeah, one thing you'll notice about uh, good and bad coaches in college basketball is that a lot of coaches play the game expecting to get certain calls. Uh, you cannot do that. I felt like UConn was doing that for the longest. You know, you'd feed it inside and you'd expect something to get some free throws and it wouldn't happen. And your whole plan would be busted. The second you get yourself in a physical matchup, you need to be able to handle yourself, uh, not at the free throw line. You've got to have people all around who are going to help, which is why this year's team, I feel like, is doing so good because we have a million shooters. Uh, you know, we're not really worried about the free throw game anymore. We're not really worried about, you know, clogging the paint and taking a, ma a majority of our, you know, second half points as free throws. We have raised the expectation on ourselves so high that like, you know, we are, we don't care for free throws. I can't remember the last time we were like, like, damn, like these, like if we got free throws here, like this would have made a big difference. Or if we got a call here, this would have made a big difference. Like every single game, I feel like we don't need free throws. We don't care. But Villanova this year, new head coach, you know, might say a lot about his character that, uh, he is searching for these free throws. And, you know, I think back to that Oklahoma State and the PK tournament where, uh, you know, they were just whining, complaining about free throws. And, and I feel like the way you kind of compose yourself throughout the game at the free throw line and, you know, as a head coach, it, it really says a lot for what you're trying to build and, you know, what your program is all about. Yeah, well, quickly – We'll move on. We'll touch upon the Villanova stats real quick. Eric Dixon, 18 and 8. It felt like 30 and 20. He felt like he was, his footprint was all over this game. Uh, Caleb Daniels, he hit some big shots down the stretch. He's a really good player, good scorer. He had 23. Brandon Slater, 10 points, a solid role player. And Cam Whitmore, as Sark, you mentioned in the preview, he was your guy to watch. He only had six points in 22 minutes. We really contained him there. He didn't make a three. And he was guarded mostly by Jackson. And even at times when we went three guards, Aline was on him, which is a slight mismatch, but clearly it worked out. And besides that, for Villanova, they have an interesting situation upon their hands. Chris Archidiakono, he was he played 34 minutes, took one shot, had zero assists, and he's the main guard out there. That's the only reason he's really out there, because he's the only true ball handler. He had no assists, took one shot. Mark Armstrong, their other point guard, barely played. And... Yeah, obviously they're missing Justin Moore, and this wasn't Whitmore's A game, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see our matchup a couple months from now, see how we match up then. And we all actually met at the game. That was fun. We all ended up attending. We got a picture together. It was cool. And also, I just want to do a quick shout-out here. Kyle, he met me in line there when we were getting in the XL Center. It's cool to see. It's crazy where a small podcast is like, what, 45 subscribers? on YouTube. So it's really cool to see that it caught me off guard a little bit, but shout out to you, Kyle is really awesome. And I think we'll move to the second half of the preview here for the Xavier game. Number 22 Xavier 
UConn's going out to Cincinnati tomorrow. Uh, let's see. We'll we'll choose a player to watch for that one. Uh, Sark, you want to go first? Yeah, my player to watch is Jack Nunji because um, he's just been around forever. What is it like his fifth year in college, and he tends to play well against us. I remember last year he had. 22 and they beat us last year they got us and he was playing great that game and this is also just the third game in a row where it's just going to be um another problem inside I wouldn't say problem but it's just going to be another tough game inside G-Town Nova and then this game there's just a lot to deal with inside so I just want to see how UConn plays inside and Nunji's having a great year by the way I forgot to mention that he's averaging 15 8 in a block a game so he's one of the better bigs in the Big East again. So I want to see how the team responds to him. I'm going with the man with one of the best names in college basketball and one of Xavier's best players, Sule Boom. Uh, the, got, the 6'3 guard, he's having a great season, averaging 17.3 points. And I think that Hawkins is going to end up guarding him because he clearly guarded Archie Diakono and Armstrong pretty well. Um, and even Whitmore when he had to. But I just think that Boom's a guy who can make teams pay if we make mistakes. And I think the key to that game against Xavier is really not what we do as much as not making mistakes because this team's going to kill us if we make mistakes. Just don't, like, as simple as it sounds, just do not make any mistakes. I mean, we can beat this team. It's a top 25 matchup, but we can beat this team. Just no mistakes. But Hawkins has to guard Sule Boom pretty well because he he's going to make us pay if we make those mistakes. But he's my guy to watch for that game because I think he's going to have a pretty good game either way. Uh, I'm going to roll with Zach Friedman on this one. Uh, he's having a very good year and another good forward. He's averaging around 15 and 7. Uh, we've tended to have a tougher time with the bigger forwards. Uh, Matt was talking about Nunji. Uh, these guys kind of go hand in hand with each other. Uh, Fremantle, I, I want to see who we put on him because I assume probably Sonogo on Nunji. And then, you know, what are we going to do? Maybe a returning player come in and guard him. But uh, you never know. Uh, yeah, I just want to see how we bounce back from the Eric Dixon beating and, you know, contain these big men moving forward. Yeah, Dixon pretty much denied Sunogo the ball the whole time. So with two great big men in Dungey and Fremantle, it'll be interesting to see how Hurley and Sunogo counter that. And I think I'm about to go with Colby Jones. He's averaging 14 points, five rebounds, and nearly six assists. He's almost like here's a comparison for you, Andre Jackson with a jump shot. He's at, he's averaging shooting 44% from three, almost six assists, five rebounds. He he had a breakout NIT last year, and he came back, and he's a leader for this team. And I think Andre obviously will draw that assignment defensively, and that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. And we'll quickly each choose a UConn player that we like for this game. And let's see, who am I going to choose? I'll go with Joey Calcaterra. I mean, he was really a no-show versus Villanova. I think that's going to be a rare case where that happens. That's just that's just a game where guys like Diara stepped up and earned those minutes. I think he's definitely going to come in, maybe not to the – to the performance he had against Georgetown where he carried us to a victory. But I can see a couple of three-pointers for Joey, maybe eight to ten points. Definitely a bounce back from his dud versus the Wildcats. Look for a comeback game from Tristan Newton because 
he has had those all year long. I think it was the BU game where he didn't do great. And then the next game against Buffalo, he dropped the triple-double. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's been a little inconsistent to start the year. You know, he's either really on or really off. But I think he's really going to come back because Nova did a pretty good job guarding him. But, I mean, if Hawkins is on two-way boom, I'm not really sure who's going to be guarding Newton. But he's my guy to watch. Look for a comeback game from him. Yeah, and I'm looking at Hassan Diara because he's really had a bigger role these last two games. He's extended his minutes, and he's played in the second half late a lot. And I just want to see if he can make a habit out of uh, playing big minutes as we stretch on here in the Big East. I want to bring up two guys just for the sake of it, uh, just because no one said Sonogo. Uh, obviously, I want to see him bounce back from the game he had against Dixon. Um, you know, that stuff that he was doing, it's, it's not going to fly all season. You know, you need to be able to come back, bounce back, and be able to put up your regular stat line after taking a hit in your confidence, uh, which I think he'll do easily. You know, it's Adama Sanogo. He's known for this stuff. And then I just want to touch on Jordan Hawkins because his stat line last game was elite. NBA-level stat line, that's what the scouts love. Seven assists, uh, 24 points. Um, you know, you love to see all those things from him. If he can come back again, you know, you've got to – have you know 20 points five six seven assists you know do that all year and you're building up a case for yourself to go to the nba draft so you know i would love to see jordan hawkins come back and, and you know put up a similar stat line and help us help us win yeah with jordan hawkins i did the math out earlier because i was curious because he had obviously the opener versus stonehill he had the concussion he left early and versus Iowa State, like I mentioned earlier, he had the technical and he was foul trouble. He only played five or six minutes. So I have a stat here. In games where Jordan Hawkins plays 10 minutes or more, double digits, he's averaging 17.9 points per game, which would lead the Big East. So he's we obviously talked about before the year, will Hawkins take that next step? There's all a big if, but he has definitely taken it and then some, and I think really fueling this team right now. And obviously... The top 25 matchup, it's actually our first top 25 matchup since uh, Alabama, which obviously we played a tough schedule, but no ranked team since then. And it's going to be a sold-out Cintas Center in Cincinnati. It's New Year's Eve. Crowd's going to be rocking. Really the really the first hard environment, I think, all year. Obviously, Florida is tough, but that was also in 9, 9 p.m. on a Wednesday near finals for the students, so that wasn't too bad. So I'm curious to see how we adapt to that. And I want to add one more thing here. We talked about the ESPN rankings, like the BPI or whatever it is, projections. We mentioned the Florida game. We were favored to lose. We have like a 60% chance to win at Xavier. So I'm curious how you think we'll lose at Florida, but win at Xavier. It's just doesn't really make too much sense to me. Yeah, this is a big road test for us. Um, you know, this could be one of the few games of the year where we don't walk away with the victory or a few games this year where we don't walk away with the victory. Uh, I, I am very curious to see how we handle it. I mean, this game is a lot different than Florida. Uh, there's there's a much bigger, like, shadow over us, I feel like, now than we had when we were going into Florida. Um, we are – we have a huge target on our back. And going down to Xavier, it's also a Big East matchup. This This – this matchup is giving me a tough division matchup in football. This has given me a uh, Patriots-Jets uh, trap game, which it isn't a trap game, but uh, I-, I can see Xavier coming out and 
you know, coming out very fast and us having to put some things together on the fly and have to figure it out. But do I think we'll win by nine, ten points in this game? Probably not. Yeah, obviously this is a very tough road test, but it's massive to have this. It's not late in the season, but it's also not the beginning. We already played on the road at Florida. We opened Big East play at Butler. We have experience with this group on the road. Obviously no top 25 teams we played among those guys, but it'll be interesting to see. And after we, the Villanova game was on Wednesday, we don't have another home game until January 7th versus Creighton. Another sold-out crowd. It's going to be a gamble this time. Just because it's sold out doesn't mean you can't go. If you still want tickets, you can go through those third-party seller sites. There's still some up there. A good one that comes to mind is SeatGeek. If you use SeatGeek, you can save $20 off your first order using code HBTA to check out. I mean, Creighton, obviously, not the team we thought they'd be. It's still, they've ne- we've never beat them, so it'd be a historic game to attend. You could say, I was at the game where UConn beat Creighton for the first time. So, yeah, if you use code HBTH at checkout at SeatGeek, you can save $20 off your first order. Uh, the tickets are a little pricey for that one. I'm not sure they're quite Villanova level. I don't have them in front of me right now. But it's still $20 off. It's a pretty good deal. And I think we're going to – one last segment here. It's the last episode of 2022. So we're going to do some New Year's resolutions for the Husky squad. Obviously, there's not too much – to go over their undefeated 14 and 0 second ranked team in the country, but we each found something here that maybe they can shape up or work, work on for the new year and beyond. And I'll start off quickly here. I think it's find some consistency with the role players. And what I mean by that, like we had a guy like Calcaterra, 14 points led the team versus Georgetown, non-existent versus Villanova. You had guys like Diara. He had a huge game defensively versus Villanova showed up versus Georgetown, but besides that, hadn't really done much. There's there's going to be games where guys like even Klingon too, he had the massive game versus Florida. There's going to be guys, games where all those role players are off. It's just going to happen at one point. We, we try, we have to try to avoid that. Like, what if there's a game Joey can't make a shot, Diara doesn't really see the floor, Klingon's overmatched. It's just, it may not happen. It's a possibility. I think it will happen at some point with the long Big East schedule, a lot of tough games. But if they just find consistency, even if it's like, even say like a guy like Joey, instead of getting zero or 14, give us seven or eight every night. That that could go a very long way for this team. Yeah, I'm going to go with the very broad little resolution here is to win a game in March. Uh, bring one home, make it out of the first round of the tournament, get to the second round. Because I feel like once we're into that first round, a big weight is going to be taken right off our shoulders. And I feel like it's that we're just going to want to win even more. I feel like it's going to be, a, you know, a bit of a uh, kick to to win the first game, forward to the second game, knowing, hey, you know, we already won one. Why can't we win another one? Uh, we struggled in March. We struggled shooting. But I, I feel like in order for this team to really take the next step, you got to win your first March Madness game. You can't lose it this year. You got to win. You got to make a deep run. Yeah, my resolution is kind of similar to that. And <clears throat> mine is that. I want to see this team peaking in March and it's hard to believe that they could get much better because, you know, they're um, 13 and 0 and they've been playing great basketball, but they could play better basketball and they need to be playing their best basketball in March. And there's the ups and downs to a season. They're on a huge up right now. I'm sure there'll be some sort of a down at some point. All that matters is that in March it's a new season and you need to be on the upswing. So that's mine. New year's resolution. Mine is pretty specific, and it's for the rest of the regular season, but 
at some points in the game, we got to not run set plays. I mean, there was one specific one that I'm thinking about where it took us seven set, mind you, the shot clock's 30 seconds. Took us like seven seconds to get the ball up. Then somebody held it for seven seconds and Caravan dribbled it around. He got five seconds left on the shot clock. He goes inside of Sunogo and he gets buried. Like sometimes we just need to not run a full on set play where you know where the ball is going. And it's just like, some, like you just got to go with the flow. Like you got to see how Nova's defense reacts because you're not going to beat teams just by running set plays because if they figure out those set plays then you're screwed, but it's just, that's my new year's resolution for them and kind of the coaching staff, not that they're doing like anything wrong, but I mean, still obviously run set plays if you need to take some time off the clock, but don't run them every single play because it's going to get old. It's going to get recognized and we're going to start losing games if we run the same stuff. So just, you know, Keep the set plays in mind and keep them for specific times where we really need to use it. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like this is a high pace, up tempo team, and you don't want to just uh, sit on the ball for most of the shot clock. You want to try to get uh, 15 seconds or less with this group. Yeah, and for your resolutions, both, Matt, you guys touched upon March. You, Luke, I think March, the biggest thing is experience. You look at our roster, Aline played with Virginia Tech. Jackson played last year and the year before a little bit versus Maryland. Sonogo, the same. But besides that, none of our players have played in the March Madness game. Hassan Diara had a nice run in the NIT. Hawkins, if you guys remember, he had the concussion he suffered versus Creighton. So he was out the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament. Guys like Newton, Calcaterra, they're veterans, but they've never been on the big stage. The freshmen like Klingon, Caravan, even Johnson, I don't believe he checked in versus New Mexico State last year, at least – I don't remember, but I don't think he did. So, obviously, we have veteran depth, but we also have guys that have not been there before, which you could say that's the same for a lot of college basketball, a lot of top schools like Duke with all these freshmen, five stars, Kentucky. But I don't know. It's just a little concerning because they've never been there, but they'll figure it out. Obviously, they're figuring it out right now, but it's something to watch for, I think. A trend I'm beginning to notice in March is that the teams that make the deeper runs are the teams that played together for the longest, the teams that uh, stick together for years at a time, filled with veterans and they, that they like playing together. I, I get a sense from this team that they all love playing together. You know, they're all here for the team. I don't notice any personal agendas anymore, which we've had in the past and really hurt your team. A lot of guys trying to get drafted, a lot of guys trying to, you know, boost their stock, not really thinking about the team. Uh, the one thing I have – I think we have going for us in March right now is the fact that we've had a core together for a little while and, you know, they have a year or two of experience under their belts and, you know, they're just used to playing with each other. Um, I, I feel like that, that just spells success for us. If you take a look at the teams that have gone deep into March in the past, they're not the teams who have four or five, five stars. They're starting lineup and, you know, they have guys in and out every year. Of course you got schools like Kentucky, Duke, uh, Kansas, who, you know, have had recent success. But, I mean, Duke hasn't won a national championship in how long? Uh, can't remember the last time Kentucky got one. Uh, I mean, Kansas just got one. But then they beat North Carolina, who have a lot of the similar players. It's all about building uh, a consistency to your team. And I feel like this year especially, we have a very good consistency and very good depth. And I, and I feel like we're built for March. I feel like. We'll start seeing our best basketball right around them. 
All right, I think that, that'll just about do it here for episode 13 of Have With Them Huskies. It's a good episode, I think. Recap Nova, preview Xavier, gave our resolutions. And the next episode, it'll hopefully be between the Xavier and Providence game, which those are two very tough games, arguably the toughest games on our schedule. There's three teams tied atop the Big East standings, UConn, Xavier, and Providence. And our next two games are road games against those other two teams. So it's really giving an interesting five or six days. So, yeah, hopefully works out well for them. And thanks for watching.